0: Well, I uh, want us to look at our scripture this morning at uh, Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, towards the end of the Bible there. Uh, you can, If you didn't bring your own Bible, you can pull one out of the pew in front of you. It's the um, New International Version, and uh, we can read along uh, together here. Acts chapter 14, verses 21 through 28. Acts chapter 14, verses 21 through through twenty-eight, this is Paul and Barnabas. They have just um, uh, arrived in a city in uh, in central Turkey called Derby, and um, the the text picks up in verse twenty-one. They preached the gospel in that city, city of Derby, and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the Gentiles. Lord, this is your word. It can teach us. It can challenge us. It can grow us. We pray that it will, that you will through it. And we are thankful that you have written a word to us and that you have sent your word, Jesus, to us. Now, in the power of your Holy Spirit, may we grow because of your written word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Whenever you read a passage of Scripture that has a whole bunch of uh, names of places, uh, in my experience, sometimes I just kind of blow past that. Okay, yeah, whatever. They went to these places. But it's so helpful sometimes to see what's actually going on. So I'm going to ask them, call to put the map up here. This is Paul's first missionary journey map. And um, you can see way over in the right-hand corner, it says Cilicia, uh, Antioch. That is current-day Syria right now. That's right where the Syrian civil war, uh, Assad, the dictator, is. That's where the, 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 the rebels, al Qaeda's there. ISIS is there right now. That is also the place, Antioch, where Christians were first called Christians. Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. That's the first place that that happened. This is a a huge early church. uh, In in, in the early church, this is a a very important church. And from this church, Paul and Barnabas head out. Now, we didn't read all about their journey here. We just sort of read about the end of it. But you can see from the map, if you see the little arrows, they took the red line down there through uh, Cyprus, went through the the island, and then up to uh, Italia, and then up to Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, and then to Derby. Now, just before they left uh, Lystra, they uh, they experienced the traumatic experience of Paul being stoned. The people dragged him out of the city and threw rocks at him in order to kill him. Now, praise God, they didn't kill him. He got up, and uh, and uh, they went on to Derby. He didn't get up and say, forget this, this is crazy, he got up and they said, let's go make more disciples. Wow, so powerful. Let's tell more people about Jesus. So they went on to Derby. Now you might say, wait a minute, doesn't it seem like they ended in Derby? No, but instead, you'll see that they actually backtracked. They went back to the place where Paul had been stoned. Not 60s stoned, you know what I mean. Tried to kill him. They went back to the place where they tried to kill him. They went back there. And they went then, uh, if you keep it up, they went to Iconium and Antioch, back to Italia, and then they took the sea route back to, um, to Antioch where they had started. Uh, I just want to look at verse 21-22. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Friends, they returned. They returned. In other words, they knew that they couldn't just help these people become Christians and then leave them. Now, if you go to the hospital, you don't want to return, right? You would like that to be a one-time experience, right? I had to go to the hospital, and now I'm left, and I don't want to return, okay? But if you go to the hospital and you have a baby, you have now a child, and you don't just say, well, this is a one-time experience, you know? We had this kid, and now we're going to, like, you know, set him up in the living room, and he's just going to grow to be this beautiful, you know, young little boy. No, it's like this process has begun. It's not a one-time experience. It's a coming-at-you-day-and-night sleep deprivation kind of process, okay? And, and it's all about growth. And so Paul and Barnabas return to Lystra and Iconium and um, Antioch because they want to help the people who have become believers actually continue in their faith and grow more and more in their faith. You return here week after week because you want to grow in your faith. You want to worship God, but you want to learn. You want to grow. You don't expect that this would just be... Uh, well, hey, I worshiped God once, I accepted Jesus once, that's good enough. You know, you inherently know that there's something more. There's something more than just believing. There's this growth process. It says they returned, and then it says they were strengthening the disciples. It it makes me think of um, uh, athletes that go to the weight room. You know, it's not just about what you do on the football field. It's not just uh, what you do when you're throwing shot put or you're trying to run the 100-yard dash or whatever. It's not just what you do in the event. It's the training that you do outside of it. And you go into the weight room and you strengthen those muscles so that when you go out and do the event again, you'll be better at it, you'll be stronger at it. And, friends, that's what we need as Christians. Always, we need to be strengthened in our faith, which is why Bemis Point UMC encourages you, implores you, begs you, strongly encourages you to be involved not only in weekly worship and not only in um, uh, uh, just uh, uh, reading your Bible, that type of thing, but to be involved in small groups, to be with people who who will love on you and encourage you and pray for you and and be that person you can call at 3 o'clock in the morning when things are going crazy and they'll pray for you and they'll show up your doorstep and help you, and help you grow in your faith and your understanding of God's word and your uh, understanding of how God uh, strengthens you. So they returned, they strengthened, and it says, and they were encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Yeah, they were encouraging them because this is the place where Paul just got stoned, as in almost killed. These Christians need to be encouraged. This is not just about Hey, this is we're, we're a Christian in ancient Turkey. It's going to be easy. It's like, wow, people might kill you for this. Being encouraged is um, something we all need so much, isn't it? I've, uh, I've tried at times to, um, I've tried this with my kids. It, it just totally doesn't work. You need to do this right now. I mean, I say that sometimes and they do it, but far more helpful is you can do this right now. You can do it you can do it. That goes so much further. And friends, we all need encouragement. We all need that kind of help to to grow. And so when we become Christians, we continue to need encouragement. That's why it's powerful that you come to church. I want to just say this straight out. It's powerful that you come to church every week. Yeah, I said that. I said that. Isn't that crazy? But it's true because if you came to come to church every week and so does everybody else, this place gets packed out. And when this place is packed out, we are so encouraged. There is a difference with worshiping with like three other people in a room and 300 other people in a room. It's powerful to be in the presence of God. I encourage you. I'm not going to demand. I'm not going to guilt. I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm just going to encourage you. You can do it. Because it makes a huge difference in your life. That doesn't mean you can't go on vacation. Yes, you can go on vacation, etc. But but in general, if you're around, be here. It's so powerful. Looking at verse 22. Paul and Barnabas say to these folks that they've become Christians, that have become Christians and, and under their care, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Wow coming from people who have just almost been killed. Do you think that word had some authority from it? It did. Because they were saying, I almost got killed by people here, but I've come back to encourage you. Friends, we must go through some hardships to enter the kingdom of God. I want to I wanna confess that as a church leader on behalf of church leaders all the way down to the last 2,000 years, it has been tempting for us to tell you that following Jesus is all about the love and the encouragement and the grace, and to not remind you that you will suffer if you follow Jesus. It will cost you to follow Jesus. The Bible knows nothing of Christians who follow Jesus without there being cost. Now, I said that, and pastors don't like to say that because we, we want to say, oh, it's, just, it's going to be easy. Trust me, it's going to be easy. I'm going to tell you straight out, it is not going to be easy, friends. It is not easy to follow Jesus, but it is so worth it. It is so worth it to follow Jesus, to put him as your top priority. If you're a kid in high school, and your friends all want to go out partying, and they invite you to go with them, and you say, I, I'm not going to do that. It's going to cost you. Maybe a little mocking. A little, oh, you're not one of us. It's going to cost you. As, as an adult, if God says, I have some boundaries that you should live inside of. I have boundaries around. Here's something that pastors don't like to preach about that much. I have boundaries around how you should live your life sexually. I do. I have boundaries. It's called Marriage between a man and a woman. That is the appropriate place for sexual activity. Outside of that is not the appropriate place. It is not God's best for you. It will harm you. Pastors often don't like to say that because we think, man, if, why don't we just let people in and we'll kind of let God work it out. But friends, if I don't tell you the truth, if I don't tell you the truth about this stuff, you will not know what God's best for you is and you won't understand that God has powerful good for you. Now, if that's not been the way you've lived your life, there's grace, there's forgiveness, it's awesome. And God will heal you and make you uh, into the person he calls you to be. I just want to encourage you to to trust God. Every time I've trusted God, every time I've done it, I've not been regretful of that. I've always appreciated, I've always been like, man, that was hard, but it's worth it. And friends, I struggle. I struggle to trust God in all areas. God pushes on me and I say, oh, I don't want to do that. That is so hard. He still pushes on me. I encourage you to follow God. I encourage you to trust God What he has to say, hey, I'll say this. God calls us to give. He calls us to give sacrificially, financially. I know that many in this church do, and I know that many in this church don't. Okay? That's just the way it is. I just want to encourage you, when you follow God, when you are obedient, it is a blessing. It is a serious blessing in your life. I have never met a person who tithes, who regrets it. Never once. I've never had a person walk up to me and say, I gave too much money to God, and it ruined me. It ruined my life. It stinks. I'd never recommend it. I've never heard somebody say that. I'm, like, totally in crazy land here. I'm talking about all this stuff that is, like, dangerous. <laughs> but I don't really care. You know, I'm... I'm t- you know, when you get out on the limb and you start sawing the limb off because God has told you the tree's going to fall, you trust it out here on the limb, that's the way I feel right now. I do. And it's awesome. I love it out here. I hope that you will, I hope that you will follow God. I hope you will follow him to, to places that are dangerous and to places where he calls you. Wow, I'm totally off my notes. I have no idea. All right. On to verse 23. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. All right, what I want you to see here is this. Paul and Barnabas did not leave them leaderless. They did not say, you've made a commitment to Jesus Christ. You've become a believer. Great job. You're in. Have a good life. We'll see you later. They didn't say, you wrote down on the line, I committed to Jesus, and you handed it into the church and you got baptized and you're good. All right, see ya. They didn't say that. They 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 trained some people to be leaders and they left those folks in charge to lead the church. Because you and I know that a church that does not have leadership is a church where people just kind of float. You know, they just kind of go away to where there's other leadership. This is the kind of thing that God calls us to do, that to have somebody be there, who will lead boldly. But here's the other thing. Note what else it says. Paul and Barnabas did not stay either. They stuck around, brought leadership to the church, and then they moved on. In other words, it's never about following a person or persons. It's never about, oh, I'm a follower of Paul or Barnabas. No, it's not about that. God calls leaders And they are there, and then God calls them on to other places. God knows what he's doing. He always knows everything, and we can trust him fully. God calls leaders to places, but we are not to follow the leaders. We are to follow Jesus Christ. We are to be disciples of Jesus, not of leaders. Finally, verse 28. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Now... They stayed there a long time with the disciples. Is not any of those cities they visited. They've gone back home. They've gone back to Antioch. And now what does it say? It says sometimes God calls leaders to stay a while. Sometimes God calls leaders to stick around. In this case, they stuck around for quite a while and helped disciple people. See, God does it all different, all sorts of different kinds of ways. And we can always trust him, what he's doing. This is um, Antioch in Syria. Um, I just want you to, to know it's okay to be with your homies. Thank you for laughing, Mike Martin. It's okay to be with your homies. It is. It's okay to stick around and to know that, that, that God has put me here and I'm, and I'm here. But, friends, it's not okay to say, I'm sticking around. I've done enough. You know, I'm showing up, but that's what it's about. I'm a believer, and, you know, that's good enough. God calls us to grow. He calls us to grow. If your idea of sticking around is I'm not going anywhere because God has called me here to help produce fruit here, that's great. If your idea of sticking around is I'm not going anywhere because, you know, I've just kind of parked it for life here. And, uh, you know, I'm relaxed. And, uh, you know, feed me. Entertain me. Make it good, you know. Make it good, you know. Uh, p- part of part of that, uh, that that what I was saying earlier that it's um, um, Christianity will will cost you is that churches have uh, churches have inappropriately often worked to attract people and say it's we're gonna put on a good show. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be great worship. We've got a great children's ministry. We've got a great youth ministry. We've got great small groups. We've got great programs. It's great here. Come, come and consume. And friends, God calls us not to consume, but to go. and, And once we have partaken of whatever food it is, to go spread that. Because if we just take it in but don't spread it out, then we become like the Dead Sea where water from all sorts of areas flows into the Dead Sea and nothing flows out. And it's the deadest body of water on earth. Over 30% salinity, over 30% salt in the Dead Sea. Nothing flows out of the Dead Sea and the Dead Sea is dead. If you come to worship or your small group or whatever, and you just take it all in, but it doesn't flow out of you to anyone, that's the surest way to die spiritually. Friends, we are called to believe. It's true. We're called to be believers. But we're called to not just be believers, we're called to be disciples. Believers are saved and are going to heaven, that's true, and are going to spend eternity with God. But you will miss out if you don't realize that what we are called to do is to follow Jesus and to become a disciple who disciples other people, who draws other people into the kingdom. That, that. Is the greater plan for God that God has for your life? I want to show you a video of a friend of mine, a guy named J.D. Walt, who's um, uh, went to seminary. Kristen and I went to seminary with him. I want to show this video to you right now.
1: In 2011, George Barna conducted a research project that he claims is one of the most challenging projects he ever undertook. Over the period of six years, his organization made telephone contacts with 15,000 people and they were asking them questions about their spiritual life, their Christian faith formation and development. They were trying to ascertain where are people in North America in their walk with God, so to speak. The results were astonishing. Barna found from his research that people tend to find themselves at one or another of what he calls the ten transformational stops. Number one, unaware of sin. Number two, indifferent to sin. Number three, worried about sin. Number four, forgiven from sin. Number five, Forgiven and active in the church, and the activities of the church. Number six, holy discontent. Number seven, broken by God. Number eight, surrender and submission. Number nine, profound love for God. And number ten, profound love for people. It gets really interesting when you see where the population of Americans fall across the spectrum. 1%, 16%, 39%, 9%, 24%, 6%, 3%, 1%, 0.5%, and 0.5%. It's not surprising to see most of the actions centering around Numbers 3-5. through You're a sinner. You need a Savior. Pray this prayer, and you're forgiven. Now, get involved in the church. What's fascinating, though, is the way the spectrum begins to break down after the first half. From number six, Holy Discontent. Through number 10, profound love of God and people, 9 and 10, only 11% of the population fall within that range. On the other side, 1 through 5, we see 89% of the American population according to this research. It seems clear that we're going halfway, but not the other half. You see, John Wesley said the people uh, called Methodists were raised up for this second half. In fact, he used the language, he said that this gospel, this truth of sanctification, of holiness, is the grand depositum which God has seemingly raised up the Methodist people to proclaim. And from this research, it looks as though we have not proclaimed it very well. So Seedbed earnestly desires to see the bars get raised on the right-hand side of the chart. On justification by grace through faith, we stand squarely with the magisterial reformers of the church. But we think today, what is most needed is a revolution of sanctification, a renaissance of scriptural holiness. In the 18th century, Count Zinzendorf, who was a founder of a Moravian community at Hernhut, great influence on the Wesleyan movement, maybe said it best when he said, many people will follow the Lord halfway but not the other half. He said, they will willingly give up possessions and property and wealth, but it touches them too deeply to disown themselves. You see, that's what the whole gospel is about. It's about profound love for God and profound love for people. Seabed exists to sow that whole gospel into the whole world. Will you join us?
0: So uh, great, great uh, organization uh, and encouraging churches, Seedbed.com. You can check them out there. But what I love here is this: God is not just interested in in believers. God is passionate about people. Becoming disciples. See, did you see that in that first 89%? It included believers. It included people, first of all, who didn't care about sin or who were completely indifferent to it, and then a lot of people who were worried about sin, but then a lot of people who had made that confession of faith and who had turned their lives over to Jesus, they'd become Christians, and then the next level was they'd become Christians and they were active in church. But friends, that's only half the gospel. That is getting across the the, the, the line of, of of salvation and and getting a little bit active. But remember what he said, Count Zinzendorf said, so many people will, will give, even give generously of their possessions, that kind of thing. But when God reaches in and asks you to give your whole self to him, it cuts too deep. It's like, ah, I can't. Mm, that is hard. Friends, it is hard for all of us. But my goal as pastor and Kristen's goal as pastor, our, our goal together is that Bemis Point UMC would not settle for 89%. I do not want us to be a church that is settled for doing church well. I want us to have a great band. I want us to have great children's programs and youth programs. I want this to be a wonderful facility that you are not ashamed of bringing your friends to and your, your unsaved friends to, etc. your family, whatever. I, but, friends, if we settle for that, we have settled. That is not what God calls us to do. God calls us not just to be believers who know how to do church well. God calls us to be disciples who know how to disciple other people and help them become believers and disciplers of other people. Do you get this? It's a movement. It's not an institution. It's a movement, and God is calling us into the movement. It's like getting drafted into the army. You don't just get there and say, well, hey, you survived boot camp. You know, good job. Go live in the barracks. No, eventually, you, you have to train other people how to be army people, all right? And we're, and we're in God's army. And, and if, we, if we just say, well, hey, I made it, and I made it through boot camp. Well, that's nice, but that's not what God is calling. That's not why you have an army. You have an army to go out there and be a movement and to, to protect and defend and do things like that. God is not just interested in, in, in just believers. He's passionate about people becoming disciples. Now, let me put it like this. Painters paint. Leaders lead, teachers teach, judges judge. You guys help me out here. Runners, gardeners, hikers, singers, readers, typers, believers, that's right. And disciples, disciple, that's right. We cannot be called disciples of God unless we are people who disciple others. I cannot claim that I am a painter, but say I have never put brush to canvas. But I'm a painter. I'm amazing at it. And I believe in it. I believe I'm a painter, but I know but I, I, I don't paint. That would be like too much. Friends, we cannot say we are disciples unless we learn to disciple. Remember when Jesus went to his first disciples and he said, follow me and I will, what? Save you from hell? Give you eternal life? Follow me and I will make your life good? Or I will help you through the hard times? Follow me and I will bless you? Hey, are all those things true? Yeah, God helps us. He blesses us. He helps us through the hard times. He saves us from hell. He gives us eternal life. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men or fishers of people. Do you see what he said there? He said, you follow me, and you're going to become like me. You're going to start fishing, and that's my goal for you in this world. Follow me, and I will make you fishers for people. Friends, that's the call of God on our lives. That's moving out of the 89% and into the 11%. Now, I want you to know that um, I went to a, um, a conference a couple months ago that, um, where I met JD, and he showed me this video. He had just released this video that you just saw there. And, and you know what I did? I pulled out of my pocket a, uh, a little card that looked something like this. Help me out, Kyle. There you go. Does that look familiar to anybody? And, and I said, J.D., this is what we're working on in our church. This is our vision. This is what we believe God is calling us to do, to seek Jesus, to activate your faith, to invest in God's mission, and to love completely. Now, I want you to think about this. Look at that. Seek Jesus. Do you see how that's helping the people who are indifferent to sin or who are worried about sin find Christ and, and make that, that jump into salvation? And do you see how activate your faith is the people who have become Christians and then become Christians? part of their church, active in their church, that's 89% of America, friends, and that's only half the gospel. I think that if we stop there, if we say we do church great here, that we are selling ourselves short. We are called to invest in God's mission. In other words, to become people who learn how to disciple other people. If we are just believers, but we are not learning to be disciplers, then we're missing what God has for us. With the end goal being that we would love completely. Remember the last two categories in J.D.'s thing? To love, uh, to to be radically in love with God and radically in love with your neighbor? That's the goal. Now, I can tell you this. I can say this. We've put this up. Dave West has brought us a couple boats that we stuck out there in the gallery. That was pretty cool. All right, we've talked about this. And I can tell you that we're acting specifically on each one of these categories In our church, we've run an alpha course that helps people seek Jesus. We provide opportunities for people to um, uh, come in and and learn about God and grow in their faith. We do a ton of activate your faith stuff here at this church. All our children's programs, all our youth programs, all our small groups, um, all these things are helping us to activate our faith. Coming to worship, that's helping you activate your faith. But friends, investing in God's mission and love completely, those are two categories that every church in America is struggling with. How do we do this? How do we apprentice people? You uh, probably remember that story I told um, several months back about working at McDonald's. I worked at McDonald's, and I'm proud of it, friends. I want you to know. It was a good job. I had a good job. And when, but when they brought me in there, they didn't let me touch anything the first time. They just showed me food handling videos, and they, they just allowed me to, you know, find out what it was like to work at McDonald's, but I, I wasn't allowed to touch any food. The next day, they brought me in. I had my uniform on and all that, and they, they said, you watch this guy make burgers. And so I watched him make burgers, and he did it a whole bunch of times. And then he said, you try to make the burgers, Bill, and I tried, and I messed it up and whatever. But finally, I got it right. He coached me through it. And by the end of the week, when the next kid came in and said, this kid needs to be taught how to make burgers, needs to be apprenticed in burger making, all right? They put me there, and I taught him how to make burgers. Why? Because somebody taught me. I didn't walk into McDonald's and they said, you really got to make burgers, go for it. They said, we're going to train you. And that way I was able to train other people. That's my goal. That is, I believe, God's call at Bemis Point UMC. That God is calling us to be a training facility to help people invest in God's mission in order to love completely. That we did not just say it, I'm saying it right now, but that we demonstrate it by providing processes to make that happen. Right now we have, within, within a few weeks, we will have eight people involved investing God's mission. And I'm hoping to have more, if at all possible. This is something that uh, God is is working out with us. And we're figuring out as we go. I've I've given you the vision long before all the steps are in place. But friends, steps are getting in place. And now finally, I want to, I can tell all these things to you like this. But I want to show you another step that we've taken. This is a map that we've created. Because if I show you the first thing, it's easy to be like, well, what were those words again? And, and, or what did that mean again? But if, if we show you this, this is like a story. Do you see how this is a story? Seeker's shoreline over there is where people aren't Christians yet. They're off uh, in the woods. They're lost. Some of them are on the shoreline going, is, is there an ocean out here? I had no idea. This is awesome. You mean, I could learn to sail. And friends, by the grace of God, folks come to that shoreline with boats and say, would you like to get into a boat and learn how to sail? When people make that decision, they jump from that indifference to sin or worried about sin into active faith in, in God, being saved from their sins and starting to become involved in the church. You'll see the second category there is Activation Bay. And you'll see that the boats, there's tons of little boats It's Really hard to see those boats in this light. But anyway, there's tiny little boats like sunfish boats, okay? Like the kind that are just single-person sailboats. And they, they, they're traveling around the bay any way they want. There's a ton of islands out in that bay. You see some of them have little, uh, uh, like, treasure, uh, X marks the spot kind of things on them. Those islands are things that we've already started to build here at BPUMC. The first one we've built is about Prayer. This whole prayer emphasis that we've had with the small groups around it, that's one of the islands. That's Prayer Island. And we're going to continue to offer Prayer Island to people who, to, so that anybody who comes into this church, who comes off the shoreline and starts to be here in this church, is going to know one of the islands I could visit in my little sailboat is Prayer Island. But we're not going to stop with that. We're going to offer Share Island. How to, learn how to share your faith. And we're going to offer... Islands on learning how to give and learning how to, to, to understand God's word and learning how to um, uh, um, serve in God's church, etc. cetera, that, that type of thing. But, friends, look at the bay. You can stay your whole life in Activation Bay. You're on the water. You're a Christian. But look what's over there. It's the ocean. It's love Ocean. We want you to get there. We don't want you to stay in Activation Bay your whole life. And so you see, if you pass through the isthmus up there, or that's not what it's called. Anyway, the channel, shall we say. And you can see there's sort of building uh, cranes there. Your boat gets bigger. You move out into the Gulf of Investment. You're not way out in the ocean yet, but you're you're still close to, to land. But you're learning. You're learning to handle a bigger boat. You're learning to to grow and to, and to you're being trained so that you will eventually have a really big boat that can handle Love Ocean and which will also be able to pass back through the channel and meet people at Seeker's Shore. Friends, our goal is that everybody will have the big boat that can handle Love Ocean and will be, will be desiring and willing to be coming back and helping, helping other people who have just made it into Activation Bay and who are growing there to, to see the vision of heading out into the Gulf of Investment and into Love Ocean. That's that's where we're at. Now that's a story I hope that is pretty memorable, a, a little plan, a little thought that's memorable. And soon, I don't know exactly when, but uh, uh, in a number of weeks, we plan to introduce these maps to you, like a treasure map type thing. And our goal is that everybody will have a map and that you'll know where you are on that map. All right? And that we will provide processes So that you can move from Seeker Shoreline into Activation Bay, move around the bay, head out into the Gulf of Investment, and be in Love Ocean. We want people to move into that fully in love with God, fully in love with other people category. Now, we're not naive. We know that everybody who comes to church is not going to say, well, I'm going to do that. I get that. But I believe God wants every person here to do that. I believe that's the call of God. And I I don't want to settle. I don't want to settle as a church. I want to do as much as possible to train people to head out onto the ocean. Friends, that's God's call for us. And and I'm excited about that. And do I know everything about how that's going to work? No. That's why I feel like I'm on the limb sawing. And God's saying, hey, the tree's going to fall. Trust me on this one, Bill. All right? But that's a great place to be. That's the best place to be. Whenever I'm in those places, I'm most excited about what God is doing, and I'm most excited about following God, and I'm most willing to sacrifice, and I'm most willing to be on my face before the Lord, saying, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how you're raising people up, but I know that we've got to do this. I've got to do this. This is the call that you've put on my life. Friends, this is the call he's put on our lives. This is where we're headed as a church. It's awesome. I hope that you will be a part of it. I hope that you will catch this vision, this dream. I hope that you want to sail because I hope you don't want to just settle for the first half of the gospel. I hope you want the second half too. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your work in our lives, for the way that you call us far beyond just doing church well as an institution. You call us to being a movement which brings the wholeness and the fullness of the gospel fully into the, the lives of the people who are here. Lord, you call us to disciple people, to train them, to work with them such that they are able to disciple others. You call us not just to say we're singers, but to sing, to not just say we're readers, but to read, to not just say we're believers, but to believe, and not just say we're disciples, but to disciple God, lay that vision in each of our lives. And, Lord, I'm just going to pray this because I feel like I ought to. Lord, if there is someone out there right now who is feeling your call in their lives to be in ministry, to be a person who encourages others to grow, to be a pastor or a minister or a missionary or something like that, Lord, I just pray that you will encourage them to respond to that call, to respond to that call, Lord. God, I just pray that you will help us as we seek to follow you. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen.